0: Well, guys, good morning. Um, my name is Josh. I'm a member here at Grace Church, and I have the opportunity to be able to kick off our summer study, which is through the book Habits of Grace by David Mathis. If you haven't had a chance to get this book, you still have time to order it. If you pre-ordered it, um, they have it in the lobby for you. You can go pick it up and pay. Um, but this is our book for this summer, Habits of Grace. I think even just saying habits... The idea of habits can kind of get maybe a, a bad rap, right? So you might think that habits are mostly bad and developed without our recollection. So for example, like, when did I start biting my fingernails? It's, it's, a, it's a bad habit. I didn't learn to do that. I just started doing it one day, and yet I keep doing it for 20 plus years now. So it might seem like it's, it's out, of, out of my control. To stop doing it, and it's something I just do it nervously, I guess. And you might think that habits of pursuing holiness can can work the same. That one day you're just going to love reading the Bible, or love prayer time, love being in community. Maybe one day God will help me with this. And the reality is, the reality is, if you're in Christ, God already has helped you with this. If you were a part of one of our spring community groups, we spent better part of 12-plus weeks going through a book by Jerry Bridges called The Pursuit of Holiness. So we have learned that we should, we have a responsibility to pursue holiness. That is what we learned for those 12 weeks, and Jerry Bridges, pointing to the Word of God, made that very clear for us. Even he says from from the book, the purpose of our salvation is that we be holy and blameless in his sight, referring to Ephesians 1-4. Titus 2 tells us that salvation teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So as we approach pursuing godliness, it's important for us to avoid a legalistic mindset, that grace is not earned by our works. Our author David Mathis said it is grace to be forgiven sinful acts and grace to be supplied the heart for righteous ones. So we must rely on this grace, and we should hunger for it as we continue to evaluate these topics. So we're here trying to continue this work of pursuing holiness by developing habits enabled by God's grace. Titled the book. So four weeks we'll be studying this book together as men here on Saturday mornings. So. The first one would be hear his voice, so looking at the word. The second one in two weeks will be have his ear. The third being belong to his body, being in community. And the fourth, talking about the commission, so what we do in response to these three disciplines, these three habits that we're going to develop. One thing that I think is important and worth noting, that regardless of where you are in your walk in this room, whether younger, older, See these times as a resource to grow in understanding and then be able to teach these same things to others. So if you know all of these habits and you are established in your time of reading, established in your time of prayer, you spend good time in community, praise God, that's great. But now we want to pass that along to others. So the point of us doing this all together is to to build you guys up so that when we have, by God's grace, more people come to Grace Church we're able to continue to make mature and mobilize disciples so that you guys are equipped to be able to do this. So today, our first portion will be looking at hearing his voice. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for today. God, the grace that you show us, it's immeasurable. Lord, your word is sufficient. It is good for all that we need, Lord. Help us to grow in our love and understanding of it. Help us to develop these habits, Lord, rooted in grace, rooted in love, rooted in true affection for you. That it wouldn't just be time that we just do to check a box, but it would be time that we would genuinely want to get to know and love you all the more. God, help me to be clear today. Would you know, the gospel be clear? Would your word be clear? Would you enable us to understand your word by the power of the Holy Spirit? Grateful for these men to be here this morning. Would you bless them, bless our time. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So, how do we develop this habit of hearing his word? The main idea for today, if you're taking notes, is to develop the habit of joyfully and consistently growing in your love for God through study and meditation of his word. I'll say that again. It's a lot. Develop the habit of joyfully and consistently growing in your love for God through study and meditation of his word. So how do we do this? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's Romans ten seventeen. So this hearing is by the word of God. This is what we have. Hopefully you guys all have a Bible. Paper Bible would be preferred. If you've got something digital, that's okay. If you don't have a paper bible, we do have them available for you if you go to the Welcome Center on Sunday morning. So please take advantage of that opportunity if you don't have a paper bible. It's it's beautiful to have to be able to just flip through the pages and mark it up. It is a grace. Well, what we hold in our hands here, this is, this is truly the word of God. And I don't know if that takes anybody aback when we think about this, that these are his words revealed from God to man uniquely. So there's no other way that we could learn this knowledge. It comes from him uniquely. It's inspired words recorded giving it authority as completely true and without error. He preserved it providentially through many processes in history. Because of the work of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit to help us understand this truth and allow us to find the true meaning of Scripture, which is interpretation, which is something we'll dive into a little bit more later. And it's for our profit and equipping. So, if you have your Bible, let's go to Second Timothy, chapter three. Second Timothy, towards the back part of your Bible coming after the Gospels, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Give a little context. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to Peter here, or excuse me, Peter, Timothy here, and he is wanting him to be um, confident in Scripture. He wants to be confident in Scripture, so let's read this. Start in verse 16. So 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we see this is from God, breathed out by God, and it's profitable for us, right? In multiple areas, and teaching, for reproof, so giving, you know, some correction, rebuke, see then correction, and training in righteousness. It's something active that we do, and this is something that we also learn from Jerry Bridges and Pursuing Holiness. This is a training that we are doing, training in righteousness. God-enabled training that we can be complete, we could spend all day talking about that, and equipped for every good work, every good work to do for God. Scripture enables us to do this. So we see the benefits we don't lack availability to the Word or resources. Thanks to the internet, there are so many different resources that help us. There's so many different authors and writings and expositions and things like that that can help us understand it. But why can it be so difficult for us to have meaningful time in the Word of God? We hit snooze. We don't get up. We say, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I just don't have time for it. These are all things that we can say. Why do we say these things? There's many specific areas we could dive into, but today I'll, I'll largely focus on three particular areas to consider as we develop this habit. We'll look at affections, we'll look at study methods, and we'll look at meditation. So the first thing, Affection. First point is affection if you're taking notes. So affection. As a kid, I loved University of Florida football. I love Gator football. And it's funny to even say as a kid, because it's not like it's not also still true now. But when I was in middle school, it was to another level. This is all I talked about. I talked, I could tell you every single player on those teams, I could tell you their stats, I wore orange and blue all the time. I was obnoxious. Like you talk about obnoxious gator fans, like if you know any, yeah, I was one of them. I still kinda I guess am one. This is what I talked about, this is what I wore. Everybody knew my time on Saturdays like was built around when the Gators played. I had a very clear affection for them. My actions, my words, and my time made that very clear. As a Christian, Consider your affections towards God. How is your love evident? I'm not saying you have to love God like I love Gator football. You don't have to change your whole wardrobe. You don't have to go around and only talk about Jesus to people. I mean, that would be awesome. But we all express our love for God differently. Seeing the psalmist in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Or Paul in Philippians 3.8 who counts everything as loss, everything because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Is your affection like this? We're not trying to prove our love. We're not trying to be legalistic or comparative to others, but genuinely evaluating. How are your affections towards God stirred? Is it evident to others? Are they even at all? It's worth asking yourself the question. David Mathis says the great end of the means of doing these habits and building these disciplines is knowing and enjoying him. If we're not striving to know and enjoy him, we're striving to know and enjoy something else. If you want to be humbled, check your screen time if you have that set up on your phone. I was humbled when God helped me See how much, I, much time I spend on fall Saturdays watching 18- to 22-year-olds play football and not play it very well, I might add. He changed my affections that now I don't choose to watch as much as I used to. If I have time, I will, but I see other things as more important. And that's not a testament to how great I am. That's a testament to God's grace in my life of changing my heart. When we see the glory of the work of Christ on our behalf, hear his call of forgiveness, gracious acceptance, and loving adoption, our hearts can be brought under the greatest affection and be delivered from the slavery of our former desires. A new, greater affection takes the place of an old, lesser one. You can't just get rid of old affections. They have to be supplanted by something greater see that greatness in Christ. Important note here. When your affections are seemingly not present, you just don't feel like I have much love towards God, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. Don't be discouraged, but instead run dependently in grace to the one who gives you the strength to do anything. It's not feelings-based affection. This is what we are called in the Word, that we should go to the Word, that we should be in it, we should dwell in it, we should read it. So we don't want our feelings to take a a priority place where it really shouldn't be. We should know the truth of what we are called to do and be rooted in the truth of what the Lord has done and continues to do in our lives. And your affections will only continue to grow as you consistently and meaningfully spend time reading and meditating on the Word of God. I thought Mathis put it very simply um, on page 28. He said, the way to receive the gift of God's empowering actions is to do the actions. Part of it is we, we just have to do it. And at times that might seem like it can come from a, a heart of like, oh, well, I don't really you know, feel like doing it, but just just do it and see God work. See the Lord continue to stir your affections in you. Part of the time is just, even if it's just five minutes, just getting in the word, just do it. You know, not to quote Nike, but they had something going on there. As you continue to to build this discipline, as your affection continue to grow, you'll get to know more and more who He is and His great love for us. It's like a well that just continues to dig deeper and deeper and sweeter and sweeter as we spend time in the Word and in prayer and in community. You just get to see the Lord work in ways that enables us to want to do it more and more and more. So, let's dig through how we study the word. So, second point, we talked about affections. That was our first point. Second point, study methods. So, actually, I meant to check. I I have a a sheet for you guys to hand out. I don't know. It was with the audio stuff, actually. Is Chris here? Okay, let me see. So you guys will not have to take a bunch of notes. Ah, yes. Sweet. Okay. I should have checked this beforehand. I'll hand it on in a second, because as soon as I hand it to you guys, you're gonna start reading it. <clears throat> so second point is study methods. So if you have the book Habits of Grace, can you please open it up the page 45? If you don't have the book, Hopefully somebody said next to you does, you guys can share. So we're looking at page 45 in Habits of Grace. The first full paragraph at the top of the page, starting with at the end. He says, At the end of the day, there is simply no replacement for finding a regular time and place, blocking out distractions, putting your nose in the text, and letting your mind and heart be led and captured and thrilled by God himself communicating to us in his objective written words. You might hear this and say, I know that. I agree with that. But fill in the blank. I just don't have time. I I just can't get consistent. My schedule just doesn't make sense. I know I need to do this. And I agreed with this sentiment. I never thought I could have a consistent time. I thought structure was inauthentic. I thought it had to be something that I just developed, and I just had to grow in this love. I just went with the flow. I would open my Bible and read wherever I just felt was good at that time. My schedule just didn't allow me to have something consistent. The reality is I had more time than I thought I did. And once I finally got up in the morning, read consistently, I now can't go more than a day without it. It's like I skipped a meal. It really does feel like the whole day is off. I'm not saying you have to get up in the morning, but finding that time is just so important. So wherever you are, whatever you've tried in the past, don't quit on reading the Word of God. Set aside excuses. Make the time. It's worth it. So I've got a sheet for you guys. Um, This is going to be how we're going to cover the rest of this study method time. So if you can pass that back that way, and pass it around that way. So this is more of a guide just to be able to give some resources to have a method of how we can develop our time. So the first thing, and arguably the most important thing that we can do, is to start our time in prayer. So this roots us In grace, and keeps us from doing all these things in vain. So, before reading, we want to ask the Lord to illuminate His Word to us. This is so fundamentally important. The power of the Holy Spirit enables us to understand beyond our natural ability and can open our eyes to behold the wondrous things of His law, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Because we have the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 2. We have the mind of Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. How else can we understand his words if we do this apart from him? We do this apart from prayer. Once you start in prayer, it's important to have a method. Any method of any kind. So if you just open your Bible and you're not really sure what to do, this part hopefully is going to be helpful for you. This is meant to provide structure, okay? So this is not something that is like, if I can't do it this way, I'm just not going to do it at all. This is meant to provide a structure for you guys to be able to follow something if you don't have anything to follow. So don't get in your head that it's not worth it if you can't do it this way. Getting in the Word at all is for our benefit. It helps us. So... We need to get a plan for Bible intake, as Donald Whitney calls it. Our author, David Mathis, described it in two ways I thought was helpful. He talked about this idea of raking, which is reading larger portions for breadth familiarity, or digging, which is reading smaller portions, which is more in-depth for intimacy. So an example of a raking plan, if you go on the backside of your sheet, there's a couple different options here. So... These aren't the only options out there. If you have a Bible in a Year type of plan, these are just a couple. So there's one, there's a five-day plan. That's the one I actually do, which gives a little bit of leeway. If you miss a day in the week, you've got kind of the weekends that help you catch up. Um, so this just helps us to gain a, a greater knowledge of God and His Word. So you're not really going to be able to dig in too much. But while I like the analogy of raking, if you ever rake the, rake the yard, you're getting the leaves out of the way, then you kind of get to see the ground. So now we get to see where we need to dig. So we have to clear, clear that out. We have a, a broader knowledge, and then we get to see, okay, where do we want to dig in? So this is that concept of digging, which could be working through a book of the Bible, two, three, however many verses at a time, to studying it in more depth. So for the focus of digging, we're going to look at this inductive, which inductive just means specific, method of study, which we're going to use this acronym, COMA, which is context, observation, meaning, also means interpretation, and application. So, COMA method. What does this mean? How do we do this? Context. So, context is answering the question, what is happening? So, if you just drop in on a verse, trying to figure out what does this mean? In order for us to be able to get to what it means, we've got to figure out what's happening in it. So this helps us interpret the verse the way the author originally intended. So this is directly tied to interpretation. I'll give you an example. Philippians 4.13. We've all heard Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Very commonly used out of context. Okay, so just because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me doesn't mean I'm gonna go drop 35 on the heat in game six. So hopefully there's a game six. But looking at it in the context, Paul is speaking that in little and in much, he can endure all things because of Christ who gives him the strength to do so. So we don't want to be rooted and put ourselves at the center of it. We want to see this in the context of what is happening. Paul writing this letter to the church in Philippi in prison is trying to encourage them through his situation. So we want to look at the surrounding verses. We want to look at the chapter. We want to look at even the book itself to get context to answer some questions about who is talking, what is happening, who is being addressed. And that brings us to the second point, observation. So observation is trying to say, what does this passage say? So just trying to put on glasses to to dig in here. So looking at your, your five W's, you know, what does the passage say? What exactly is it saying? What is it saying at all? Who is saying it and to who? When is it being said? Why are they saying it? Where is it being said? And how is it being said? And that takes reading the passage multiple times over, digging into these things, trying to answer these questions. And if you don't know, There are resources to be able to help. We'll get into that a little bit later. But try and legitimately dig and find out. Look around. It's like showing up here. Like you want to look around and try to see, get your bearings right. So that requires digging. Something else we can do is brush off a little bit of our English class lessons. Don't fall asleep on me after saying that. But we want to look at things like connecting words. Words like and, for, but, therefore, so that. look at verbs, look at the tense of the verb, past or present, future, the voice, the relationship between the subject and the action, is it active, is it passive, is it singular, is it plural? Repeated words, ideas, lists, comparison, contrast, commands, and also look up words you don't understand, it's okay. You stumble upon the word propitiation, you don't know what it means, look it up. It's okay. Like, we don't have to understand every single word. This is part of the exercise of taking the time to do this versus just speeding through. I mean, like, I don't really know what's happening. I don't know what this is, but I'm just going to keep reading. There's times that can be beneficial. We want to get that whole raking knowledge, but as we're digging, we want to really figure out what are we reading? What is happening in this verse? So setting a context, observing these things about it, then help us interpret it. So that is the M, meaning, interpretation. What does this passage mean? It's important to remember there's one interpretation, many applications. So we're looking for the one interpretation of Scripture, of the Scripture we are reviewing. So we want to seek to understand, first, how God's words fell on the original hearers. That's what we're trying to find in interpretation. This takes time. This is where we really have to rely on the Holy Spirit. This is where our prayer aspect is so important. Because apart from him, we're not going to be able to understand this. He gives us the ability to understand. And we can struggle with the text. We can pray, Lord, I don't know know what you're trying to say here. What does this mean? Looking at the observations, looking at the context, those things help inform our interpretation. There's tools that help us. So we can read other translation. So if you're reading ESV, maybe you just flip over if you have a Bible app and go into the NASB, the NASB, and just see how they interpret the verse. You might be able to gain a little bit, you know, more wisdom. You can look at cross-references. So if you have a study Bible, there's usually little letters within your study Bible that then can point you to other verses that are referring to it. It can help you get a broader understanding of what the verse is saying, what it means. So some good study Bibles, Um, There's ESV Study Bible, MacArthur Study Bible, I have the Grace and Truth Study Bible, I have too many books up here, so I can't have it up here, but this is Albert Moeller, so this one is formatted a little bit different. He does it by like verses, by section, you're not going to be able to read these little words, but um, he does it by section to kind of give a little bit more context and explanation versus like the word by word, that one's a little bit more helpful for that. So And then there's trustworthy resources. So on the sheet, on the back, there's some different resources. Websites like Desiring God, Blue Letter Bible has a fantastic app that can really help you dig into these things. I think all these tools are helpful to be able to help us interpret and figure out what does the passage mean. Lastly, application. So how does this relate to me, to others, to God? These aren't just principles that we're trying to pull from the text, but we want to bring truth to focus on our personal behavior. So these are things that are applying to you. And it's very important that we do this step last. We have to make sure that we have correct observation, correct interpretation, and be able to apply it correctly. Because if not, things can, can get pretty bad pretty quickly. Um, and we'll go into an example of that later. But we want to make this application usually immediately, if you have time, while it's still fresh in your mind. So as you, you read, you've had the opportunity to look at the context, look at observation, find an interpretation, okay, now how do, we, how do we apply this? So there's many applications that we can make. We want to be specific with our applications. If not, then it can just be a general principle, and you're not really applying it until you actually are doing it, until it's something that's within your mind. So, example, Proverbs 12.25 Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. How I apply this verse in my life is that when I feel anxiety, when I have anxiety, I feel weighed down. A good word makes him glad. Okay. So I go to the Word. I go to the other verses that either I memorized or I open a portion of Scripture maybe I read recently to help bring gospel-clarifying gladness to my life, to keep me focused and trusting in him instead of on myself and my situation, instead of on whatever is giving me anxiety, being able to focus my attention back to God. So that's an application to Proverbs 12.25 for my life, I'm able to do. And we want to live this out. Like I said, it's not applied until you do so. We have to trust in the Lord to enable you to do this. So, all of these steps, guys, I I do want to make clear that this isn't something that, like, hey, if I can't do all these observations, like, this is just a list that's meant to help you. This is something that, if you only do maybe one or two observations, you can only figure out a little bit of context. Whatever your time allows you to do, do that. Don't feel like this is something you have to do. There's so much more to just this one sheet. I tried to condense it down, but just start here. Continue to grow in that, continue to apply it. And whatever time you have, but just make the time. Please make the time. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. So living out what we've read, application. We can do that. We're helped by meditation. So that's our third point. So we've we've covered affections. We talked about study method. Now our third final point: meditation. So. Meditation. You might hear meditation and you might think that oh, we're going to get in this room, we're all going to close our eyes, we're going to sit crisscross, and we're going to have some silence. That's not what we mean by meditation. Worldly meditation wants you to clear your mind. Biblical meditation wants you to fill your mind with the Word of God. So two distinct differences here that I think is important. So we want to pause and ponder. We want to chew on biblical and theological substance. I want to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as Colossians 3.16 tells us. So as we study the word in observation, as we've done interpretation and application, meditation is going to be able to saturate our lives. We're going to see this. Uh, in your Bibles, let's turn to Joshua 1. Joshua is towards the front. It's after Deuteronomy. So Joshua chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 9. So helpful before we read, a little bit of context here. So this just kind of gets our bearings, so we're not just jumping into a portion. We're going to apply a little bit of what we just learned in this method. So context, Moses... Has now passed away, and Joshua has been called by the Lord to lead Israel into the Promised Land. So they're on the cusp of entering the Promised Land, Promised Land to Abraham. So God is speaking to uh, Joshua here. Um, let's see, James, you have a you have a nice, loud voice. Can you read verses six through nine, please, in Joshua one? Okay. So let's make some observations here. What do we see? What do we see from this text? Anything at all? So God is with him. Yeah. So that's that's good. It's a very good, important point there. Yeah. All right. What else do we see? All right. Be strong and courageous. All right. We'll come back to that. Who else? Command to think about the law all the time. Yep. That's good. All right. So we're seeing these. The repetition, I think, is is definitely an important note. And even Mathis in his book calls this out. So being called to be strong and courageous. How is he to do this? How is he to be strong and courageous? Being bold? Okay. Meditating on the word. It's trusting, trusting in the Lord there. And that does come through this idea of meditation. So being captivated by it, right? He needs to build his life on his truths. Oh, careful to do all according to all that is written. Some all's in there. It's a lot of all's. All encompassing. Very important here. So we can draw from this a meaning that Joshua is to obey the Lord exactly as he has defined, and he'll be successful. And success here means inheriting the land, which is something that people before him haven't had the ability to do because it's not trusting the Lord, not obeying him. So as we find meaning, sometimes it's also important to figure out what this doesn't mean. So what this doesn't mean is that if you read your Bible every day, God will give you whatever you want. This is an idea or example of a misinterpretation. So he prospered Joshua, and based on this and other promises in his word, he's able to prosper us. We want to look at it with the correct context, the correct observation here and interpretation. So we want to see even the idea of the, the word prosper. His means of doing so might even differ from ours. So how we prosper could be in a completely different way. It's not necessarily monetarily. It's not necessarily inheriting like, I'm going to have a house in Miami Shores. That's not what's what's saying here. So we don't want to inject our own meaning into the text. We want to draw from the text what is the meaning. And we do that by using these methods of context and observation, seeing these things, and also if the interpretation really makes sense within the larger text. So now getting to the application aspect of this. Mathis was helpful where he says, Joshua, God's words were to saturate his life, give him direction, shape his mind, form his patterns, fuel his affections, and inspire his actions. This is all applicable to us, too. Those who delight in his law are blessed. Psalm 1. So if we delight in meditating on the word, this is the, the, the grace of what it is to meditate, to create this time and space, to pause and ponder Words, intentionality and focus to better understand God's words and warm our soul at his fire. And let it then lead us into prayer and then into the day. So prayer will be the topic in two weeks when Travis teaches us about the privilege of having God's ear. So recapping what we learned today, I want to consider the reality of what we possess with the Word of God. He's are God's words. Guys, please treat them as such. Let your time reflect that. Have your affections declare your time in the Word as truly valuable. Is it really valuable to you? Is it valuable? Ask yourself that question. It might be hard. Hopefully it's encouraging. If not, we can all grow in this. Have a plan. Apply a study method to dig in the Word and meditate on what you learn Don't simply just move on to going to work, going on to the next thing. Let these words, whatever you read, really dwell in your mind. Recall them. Open it back up at some point during lunch. Pull this back into your mind. Let the Word dwell richly within you. For it to dwell richly within you, it has to dwell in you at all. It can't just be something you read this morning, and by the end of the day, you forgot what you read. Meditate. Consider. And we know that this is all possible through the grace of God that enables us to develop these habits.